0: Well friends, good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reform Church. My name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of all of us. So glad that you could be with us today, whether you are in person or online at the same time or after the fact. Lots of ways that we're gathering in churches these days, and glad to have you with us, however, you are able to worship with us today. Uh, we are in the season of Lent. And uh, I am just coming back from spending some Lent on vacation, which is a little bit unusual. But I bring you greetings from the sunny state of Florida. I assure you that the sun is still shining, and it will find its way here eventually too. Um, but speaking speaking of spring, uh, that is actually what the word Lent means. And uh, during this season. We are doing a process along with the church throughout the ages and around the world of examining ourselves, trying to refocus our attention on the things that matter because life in our world tends to lead us in uh, avenues of distraction. Right? And so during Lent, we are wanting to focus with Jesus on the culmination of all the things that He has done for us. And I want to highlight for you a couple of ways that we are doing that besides worship on Sunday. One of those ways is that on Wednesdays, we've been gathering with other churches that are part of the Northbridge Association of Churches for a Wednesday noon service of prayer. And there's a couple of those left. I want to invite you to join us this Wednesday at Fairlawn at 12 p.m. noon. If you can't make it in person because you're at work, I believe it'll be live-streamed as well, and we'll try to get that link out to you as well, but please join us for that. And then uh, a week or two weeks from now for um, uh, April 14th, Monday, Thursday, we'll be worshiping uh, again with Fairlawn if you'd like to join them for a Monday, Thursday service, and then the following night on Good Friday here at Pleasant Street at 7 p.m. for a Good Friday service as well. And all of that is leading us up to the good news that we remember together on Easter Sunday. Um, So please uh, keep those events in mind. Please join us if you can. I want to highlight for you two other non-worship-related things that are coming up. One is uh, that the CRC Softball Outreach Ministry is gearing up again. So um, uh, that means it's time to start stretching And uh, if you guys would like to join, I I probably have a bit of work to do myself to get back in some sort of semblance of condition, right? But uh, anyway, uh, you can find out more about that ministry, and if you're interested in learning more, you can contact um, you can contact them. The contact information is at the bottom here. And friends, as we are getting started, uh, would you rise in body or in spirit, and let's say this call to worship together? Let us say together.
1: Let us, Let us fix, fix our, our eyes, eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Let us consider him who endured such opposition from sinful people, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us sing together.
2: Amén
3: please join me as we um just reflect on god's fourth commandment what is god's fourth commandment for us lord god in 6 days you made the heavens and the earth and everything in them and you blessed the seventh day and made it holy lord powerful as you are yet you took time to rest lord we confess that we are less powerful and yet we fill our lives with constant work. We do not remember your Sabbath.
1: Lord God, in six days you filled the world full of plants and animals, and the world was teeming with abundant life. We confess, O God, that we fill our lives with selfish worry.
2: We do not trust you to provide.
3: Lord God, you set time apart so that we could have more than just work in this life. We
4: us time with you.
1: Lord, we confess that we have treated the work, the work week as where the action is, and we have overlooked our time with you. We have been half-hearted in our worship and faulting in our prayer. We confess that we are too full of sin and too empty of your rest. Lord God,
3: Give us the courage to stop and open our hearts to trust in you. Lord, hear our prayer. And our words of assurance. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul." Why do you worry? Are you not more valuable than many sparrows? The Lord God knows what you need. Friends, remember that through Jesus, God has supplied all our needs. We are forgiven through Jesus. We are more valuable to God than the birds and flowers he has made. Rest now in God's love.
1: Praise be to you, O God, for your care for us. On this day which you have made, help us to worship you and to learn what your word teaches us. On this festive day of rest, help us to pray and to care for the poor. Today and every day, help us to look for your work in us. Signs of our forever rest with you, O Lord. Amen. Let's take some time to silently reflect on the fourth commandment. time we're going to sing another song called still I'm going to give you the option of whether you would like to stand and sing or just rest and be still and know that we have a God who can do more than we could ever ask or imagine I understand at this time there's so much going on in our world and sometimes I know I forget to just rest and be still I'm always wanting to do something so let this be our prayer. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's go ahead and greet those around us. I have all the kids come up for Kid Street, please. Good morning. There you go. Go ahead. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, breaking, always and forever love amen the lord be with you and also with you go in per- go in peace to love and serve jesus thanks be to god
0: well good morning again friends um, this morning, as we turn our attention to prayer, I have the joy and privilege of being able to voice that on our behalf. But it is our prayer, even though I am the one doing most of the speaking. And so some of the things that I want to highlight for us that I'll mention in our prayer uh, are uh, to let you know so you can be praying throughout the week, are first of all to mention that uh, I just received word that Dwayne VA was hospitalized yesterday. Um, and so we'll be praying for him and for his family, and we just received a word uh, from Lauren and Chuck that Denise, uh, her cousin, passed away rather suddenly this week as well. She had two college-age children, and so we'll be praying for their families as well. We've been going through the book of John together, and this week I was meditating on John chapter 13, and I found a wonderful prayer written by um, a Reverend Kelly Bird. And so I'll be using her words to shape ours together this morning. When we finish our prayer, I'd like for us to end with the Lord's Prayer together. I'll cue you when that is, but we'll say debts. Sound good? Let's pray. Gracious God, as those who strive to follow Jesus in our living and to trust your power in our dying, we gather to reflect upon the life that ended on a cross. We recognize in ourselves today, in the story of Jesus and his disciples, the same strengths and weaknesses of your first followers. They loved him. They also disappointed and failed him. And yet gathering with these same imperfect Friends, at this meal around the table, you, O Jesus, washed their feet in service and extended bread and cup to each of them. Gathered here for worship this morning, remembering that you will reign over all things, and yet somehow in marvelous faith have condescended to us to be present here to wash us again we marvel at this. Jesus, you called your first followers to love one another. and You invited them to share in your very life and to accept the road ahead. We are humbled and honored and inspired by this love extended to the world. And we take seriously the calling to be your body on earth today. And as such, in the power of your Spirit, we do what your followers do, and we pray for each other. We lift up to you those who are recovering from sickness or surgery, Rick L., Leanne, Thalia T., Donna W., Dwayne V.A., and others whom we name silently to you now. We also lift up those who are grieving loss, We remember Will B. and Keith V. and Lauren and Chuck and Denise's family. We remember others, and we name them to you now, too. We pray also as your people, Lord, for our communities and for the country in which we live We pray for our leaders as they navigate complex and changing social and economic problems. We pray for them as they try to do these things in a way that is just and good for all in our nation. Lord, we pray too for our brothers and sisters across the world as they gather to worship you today, some of them in places of abundance and plenty and some in places of great fear and scarcity. We pray that wherever your church is today, that you would make yourself known to them and that in the power of your Spirit, known through them to the world that needs you. And we pray also for the world in which you love, particularly for an end to war in Ukraine, for peace in places where there is violence and tension, for rain in places of drought, and for food where there is famine. And as your people gathered around your story this morning, we grant us again, we ask that you would grant us again the vision to see this world as you see it, with love and compassion for each creature and for all of your creation. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray to you together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
4: Good morning. Today's scripture passage is found in the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. If you want to follow along on the screen or in the blue um, New International Version Bible in your pew, I believe it is page 874. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew you, should, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We have gathered together now in this time and this place. We have gathered around ordinary means and to do simple things like speaking and singing, lifting our hands, offering what you've given us, and hearing what you have for us. We trust, O Christ, that somehow in these simple and ordinary things shared among friends, that the transforming work of your story and your salvation is brought to mind and worked out in and through us. And so we ask in this time, O Jesus, that you would come by your Spirit, that you would make yourself spiritually real to our hearts, that we might know what it is to be loved by you, so that we might have something to share with others. In your name, amen. During the season of Lent, we spend six weeks journeying on the hard road with Jesus toward the most dramatic part of the story his death, and his resurrection. And along the way, we are taking down, we are stripping off all of the things that distract us in order to try to see with clarity what this is all about. That is part of the reason why Lent is so long, because we are prone to distraction and to missing the point. Friends, this is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and we remember today that Lent is not an excuse for a diet. It's not about self-deprecation for deprecation's sake. Lent is about simplicity. It's about removing that which hinders and distracts in order to see with greater clarity and priority that which is of consequence. My friends, Lent is about focus, not focus on our own moral goodness or badness, but focus on Jesus the things that He says and that He does. And this morning, we concentrate our attention on Jesus around a table with His disciples before Passover, and the first thing that John tells us is that the time is short. There's nothing like a deadline to focus your attention on what matters, and in that way, we see Jesus adopt a new kind of urgency and focus in the things that He is saying and doing from this point forward. John 13 begins what Bible scholars sometimes call the farewell discourse. And here in these next few chapters, time seems to slow down so that we can catch all of the details of what Jesus is saying and doing. These are the last moments that Jesus has with His disciples on earth, and we want to treasure them like the last moments between two dear friends before they part ways in an airport terminal. One of the things that we will hear Jesus say a lot in chapter 13 through 17 is the word love. In fact, he says it like 31 times. We talk about love a lot in our culture. We write about it in songs and in poetry. Love lifts you up where you belong. Love is a many-splendored thing. L is for the way that you look at me. But for all our talk about love, we actually spend very little time defining what it means. And what Jesus does today is not to talk about love, but to demonstrate it, to show us what it means. John tells us that Jesus, more than anyone else, knows what time it is, and knowing that His hour has come and that it is time for Him to return to His Father, Jesus loves His disciples all the way to the end. When John says that, he he doesn't mean just that Jesus finishes well in a job he was given. He means more that Jesus takes love all the way to its logical conclusion. He shows us the, the end of love. He works out what love actually means if you walk it out all the way to the end. And to do that, Jesus gives us a kind of parable. At supper, around the table with his disciples, he takes off his outer cloak, and he puts on a towel. He fills a basin, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus, their master and their teacher, is now dressed like a slave. And without saying a word, he is doing what a slave does. And today, we are somewhat used to seeing important leaders playing serving roles. The CEO who takes out the garbage. The senator with work boots on who mops the factory floor. We like to see leaders take serving roles like this. We think it's a noble thing. But this was not the case for Jesus' followers. They have no category for this kind of action that Jesus is doing. You see, culturally, what commentators have noticed is that no matter where you went, no matter whose home you would enter in the ancient world, everyone washes feet. Greeks, Romans, Jews, there's some overlap across cultures to this. And so no matter whose house you go into, when you come over for dinner, you can expect to receive a basin. You take your sandals off. You normally wash your own feet. But if you were visiting a wealthy person, they might have a slave who would do this for you. Almost always it would have been a female slave. So either the lowest person washes your feet or you do it yourself. But what you almost never see are free people washing each other's feet when they come over for dinner. And what there is no parallel for in ancient literature is a person of superior status washing the feet of someone of inferior status. Right, so we talk about love a lot. We sing songs about it, we write poems, but what we don't talk about very much is what love means. And then Jesus takes off his outer clothes and he wraps a towel around his waist, and what we see him doing is what they would not have done for each other. Jesus does for them something that no Lord or teacher should be doing, and he does it twelve times in a row. He kneels, he washes, he dries. And we talk about love a lot, but we are kidding ourselves if we can look at this and think that Jesus is merely giving us an example to follow, that we can just follow it and be blessed. And that's what's so important about this story, because we haven't actually taken this example seriously unless we look at where Jesus is when he's doing this. John tells us when he sets the scene that he's at a table with people who are about to abandon him. One of the people at this table is about to walk out the door and betray him for money. Jesus knows that he only has a couple days left to live. And on one of those days, he will spend it in the most excruciating pain imaginable. And so he is out of time and he's surrounded by people who won't be there for him when he needs them. And he spends this meal showing love in the most radical way imaginable. What John is telling us is that if you really want to know about love... Jesus is taking it all the way to the end of what it looks like. And so he does say, I've given you an example to follow, but we'd be mistaken if we thought that Jesus was merely challenging us to better loving actions, right? This love is not worked out and revealed in how we treat the people who like us who, or who are like us, but in how we treat our enemies and in those who are of no use to us and how we treat those who have hurt us. What Jesus is really challenging is not us to have a better example, but he's challenging our self-understanding. Dr. Mary Poplin uh, thought that she was a pretty loving person like a lot of modern people. She's a professor at the School of Educational Studies at Claremont Graduate University. She considered herself a pretty progressive person. She was teaching a vision of tolerance and multiculturalism and postmodernism before they were cool. She was a spiritual but not religious kind of person. She liked to explore religions, and she took seminars on spirituality, all in an effort to expand her horizons in greater spiritual freedom. But she found that the more that she sought to enlarge her heart, the smaller and harder it became. In the middle of the night, or in the darkness of depression, She could see glimpses of who she really was. One night at the age of 41, she has a terrifying dream. She's in a long line of people without a beginning or an end. They wear gray and they march in line, but then in all of this dim and drab line, there's a yellow light shining in front of them. As she gets closer, she can see the disciples of Jesus. They're at supper. And she saw the fellowship and the love that they have at this table, eating and drinking with one another, but she doesn't see Jesus there. He wasn't at the table. He was at the front of the line that she was standing in. It was a reception line. She writes that, When I got to Jesus and looked into his eyes, I grasped immediately that every cell in my body was filled with filth. Weeping, I fell at his feet. But when he reached over and touched my shoulders, I suddenly felt Perfect peace. When she woke up, it took her a while to try to sort out what had just happened. You see, Dr. Poplin thought that she was a good person who loved people well, but then she met Jesus and the standard blew her away. Suddenly, she remembered a story from earlier in her life. She had been at a restaurant where a popular New Age teacher had been holding court there. You can maybe imagine the type, a teacher aglow with light and love, disciples gathered all around them. Afterward, this woman, this religious New Age teacher, accidentally backed into someone else's car in the parking lot. Dr. Poplin remembered that after the woman uh, got into an altercation with the owner of the car whom she had hit, amid her angry shrieking, the man kept telling her calmly but firmly, this is who you really are. Dr. Poplin says, when I saw this, I remembered that I was just like her, pretending to be good, thinking I was full of love, yet filled with bile. Friends, Jesus says, I have set an example for you, but to love like this would require something far more than just an example. It would actually require a new identity, one rooted in the experience of a particular kind of love what the poet Amy Carmichael calls Calvary love. Amy Carmichael uh, wrote a reflection called Calvary love in which she walks out a comparison between who we think we are when we're loving people and the example that Jesus sets before us. She writes, if I belittle those whom whom I am called to serve, if I talk of their weak points in contrast with what I think of as my strong points, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can enjoy a joke at the expense of another, if I can in any way slight another in conversation or even in thought, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can write an unkind letter or speak an unkind word or think an unkind thought without grief and shame, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I am soft to myself, sliding comfortably into self-pity, if I do not, by the grace of God, practice fortitude, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I cannot in honest happiness take the second place, if I cannot take the first without making a fuss about my unworthiness, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If the praise of others elates me and their blame depresses me, if I cannot rest under misunderstanding without defending myself, if I love to be loved more than to love, to be served more than to serve, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If my interest in the work of others is cool, if the burdens of others are not my burdens, if their joys are not mine, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I want to be any place on earth other than the dust at the foot of the cross, I know nothing of Calvary love. And after this sweeping reflection, she ends everything with a simple prayer, that which I know not, O Lord, teach me. To know love, to know Calvary love is exactly what Jesus is trying to teach us. Not with a sermon, but with an action. Friends, in these vital, desperate, holy, and important events of Jesus' last few days, when the time is short and he feels the urgency, Jesus would have us go feet first. We as Christian people do not go head first into these last few days, but feet first into them. And the Lord, the one before whom every knee will bow, we find bowing before us, washing our feet. The one who is holy in all splendor and majesty is the one cleansing the dirt and sweat and manure from our feet. And there is a lot that we don't understand, but Jesus says, for now you won't, but later you will. And like Peter, we want to say, Lord, if, if this is the only way, then wash all of me, for it's not just my feet that are stained. But Jesus says, and the most remarkable thing in this passage, that we are already clean. Jesus says this to Peter as if to ally his fears of salvation, as if to say, Jesus, I have already rescued you. You, you don't need to be bathed again. But you do need reminders so that you will remember how to treat each other. In John chapter 12, Jesus has his own feet washed. Mary takes half a liter of pure nard and she dumps it on Jesus' feet. And the fragrance of her beautiful and lavish action is an anointing. The disciples are distraught. Judas is incensed, but Jesus says, She is preparing me for my work of suffering and death, for my work of love. And one chapter later, we find Jesus washing now his disciples' feet, not their whole body, but their feet. And perhaps we are meant to see some overlap between the two, for feet are about direction, they are about purpose. You go where your feet are pointed, and perhaps Jesus means to bless our feet in these coming days and weeks so that we will have the strength to walk behind Him in these difficult days, blessing our feet to walk out love all the way to the end with Him. For at the end, we will see what He meant when He said, Peter, you are clean. He meant that because of His nakedness on the cross, we would be robed in righteousness. And so, friends, in these coming days and weeks, we go feet first into this story of love, washed in the love of the one who wrapped the heavens and stars and now wraps a towel around himself. Friends, everyone wants to know about love. And what God has given us is a reality that we can sink our toes into and our teeth. For around this table... The Lord has prepared a meal and he says, take, drink, eat, remember, and believe that I have washed you. You are clean. Come and follow me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Gracious God. Out of your love and mercy, you breathed into dust the breath of life, creating us to serve you and our neighbors. Call forth now our prayers and acts of tenderness and strength, so that we might face our mortality with you, and that we may reach with confidence for your mercy in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's sing together, turn your eyes. Friends, we remember together that in church, the pattern of the gospel is that we are turning our eyes to the one who has turned toward us, who has already, before we even knew it, given us everything that we could actually ever possibly need. And out of this great abundance, we respond now by offering up some of what God has entrusted to us for our offerings Our offerings this morning are for the work of our congregation, and the way that you can give those is by dropping checks off in the front during the week or by donating online. Having done so, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you have given us everything that we could possibly need. We are learning to respond in kind with a small act of trust and obedience by giving back to you some of what you have entrusted to us. We ask that through this action of receiving and giving, that your church would be built up, that your name would be glorified, and that people would know the immensity of your love for us and for the world. In your name, amen. God has yet one more gift to give to us at this table. Let's get ourselves ready to come to it by singing. We're going to sing the first three verses of Behold the Lamb. Friends, you may be seated. The Lord has prepared everything necessary for us to be able to come to this table today. He has drawn us to himself, and whether you are around your table at home or around this one here, it is the Lord's table. And so, friends, come and receive what he has prepared for us. Like the simple act of washing feet, God has provided for us the simple things of bread and wine. But in the presence of God's Spirit here, there is far more than just a little piece of bread and a little shot of grape juice that we take together. We are taking the life of God into ourselves and being fed and nourished for our journey with Him. And so, friends, would you pray with me? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. You lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Is right to give our thanks and praise. Pray with me, meek and majestic God. Out of the perfection of your loving life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you created the universe and you called the children of Abraham to be your priestly kingdom. You gave your people freedom in the parting of the sea and marked them for life with the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus, you laid aside the robe of your majesty and knelt among your children in humiliation, knowing that you would be rejected. In Jesus' agony in the garden and suffering on the cross, you showed the world the extent of your love and your longing to bring us home to you and to the throne of the Lamb, where we will join angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, praising your name together, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Self-giving God. In Jesus, you became the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, and the living bread broken for the life of your children. Come among us in the power of your Holy Spirit now, that your people, as fragile and fitful as your first disciples, may become your temple, and that these gifts of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who at supper with his disciples gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again on the night of his arrest and before he suffered the lord jesus took bread and after giving thanks to god he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body which is for you do this to remember me in the same way after supper he took the cup and after giving thanks to god he gave it to them saying this cup is the new covenant which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Restoring God, whose Son was lifted up that we might look upon Him and live, bring us through His cross to the glory of resurrection. Shed Your mercy on those who suffer with disease and sickness and all who long for healing of body or mind or spirit. Deliver your children afflicted by the poison of enmity or strife in their families or neighborhoods or communities. Spread your table in the face of friends and enemies that all may know your peace and gather in the company of your saints. Lift up every heart in the hope that comes from your resurrection until all your children look upon the day when the world that you so love is, at last, whole, with you in glory. And together with the saints, we drink the wine of your kingdom. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in the power of your Spirit, with all honor and glory, one God, now and forever. Amen. Congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love and trust in him alone. All who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are sorry for their sins and who desire to live in obedience to him, are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Amen. If you would please take your communion cup, you can flip it over to the bread side and go ahead and open that. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Go ahead and turn your cup over. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Amen. Friends, would you rise and let's respond to God. Let's sing together that fourth verse of Behold the Lamb.
2: The table
0: of the king. Brothers and sisters gathered, welcomed, washed, fed. The same God who has done all of this for us now sends you out as his people growing in the grace that he has bestowed upon you and with his favor turned toward you and his smile upon you, no matter where your feet take you this week, would you open your hands and receive it? Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. Uh mm-hmm.
2: i yeah. you.
1: great week